But we have a great and glorious time on Wednesday nights as we come together to study God's Word. Have a great time studying the book of Revelation. Uh, Faye was able to come this past week, this past Wednesday night, and when we were done, we were on the way home because uh, we talked about Revelation 19 and the second coming of the Lord, and the focus was on His, his coming. And she said, you really enjoy teaching that, don't you? And I went, yeah, I really do enjoy teaching it. But the more I thought about the, the theme and the direction that, that this nation and this world is taking as we lead us up to that second coming, uh, it should also grieve us. I mean, I enjoy teaching it from the standpoint that uh, uh, it just makes sense. And with the world being in the... And the shape that it's in, the way that it is, uh, with the confusion, with the insane rhetoric that's going on, with the saber rattling, with the, uh, the threats, the worldwide threats that are coming down, with the overall rebelliousness against all things godly, against all things holy, against all things righteous, uh, it makes sense for God's people to understand and to have a correct view of what's coming, of what is on the horizon, uh, what's in our future. So we're going to take a little bit of what we looked at Wednesday night, and, and we're going to, going to be sharing, uh, sharing that this morning. Um, what we need to understand as we get started this, mo- this morning is that God is not going to be mocked. We need to understand that as a Bible-believing church, that God will not be mocked. When God's Word tells us that vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, I will repay, what we need to do is preach the gospel and tell people about His love and His mercy and His grace, knowing that He is also a jealous God, but He is the one who is going to do the repaying. And that is basically, basically what the tribulation period is all about. As I think about all the things that are going on in the world today, the scripture that comes to my mind is Psalm chapter 2, verse 1. And the question that's asked there in Psalm chapter 2, verse 1 says, Why do the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? Folks, that's exactly what's going on in this world today. The heathen are raging. They think they're in control And all of their imagination is nothing but vanity. The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed saying, let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us. He that sits in the heavens shall laugh and the Lord shall have them in derision. And then shall he speak unto them in his wrath and vex them in his sword displeasure. And we're going to be talking about when that actually occurs. Yet I have set my king upon my holy hill of Zion. I will declare the decree the Lord has said unto me, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. Ask of me, and I shall give thee the heathen for thy inheritance, and the uttermost parts of the earth for thy possession. Thou shalt Break them with a rod of iron and shall dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. 
Be wise now, therefore, O ye kings. Be instructed, ye judges of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. And kiss the Son, lest he be angry, and you perish from the way. When his wrath is kindled but a little, blessed are all they that put their trust in him. As I watch the news this now, as you read the newspaper, as you try to follow all the things that are going on in the world, and even downtown St. Louis today, this scripture comes to mind. Why do the heathen rage? Why do they imagine a vain thing? And this morning, I want us to examine what is going to happen, regardless of it's five minutes from now or 5,000 years from now, does not change when the things that we're going to be looking at this morning, the fact that they are going to happen. You say, well, why, why, do, we need, why do we need to go through this? Well, I think there are several reasons. Number one, so that you're not fooled. So you're able to identify what is going on, recognize what's going on, and not be fooled by the draw, by the things that are being said so that you don't fall victim, so that as we go through this, you have a sense of urgency in sharing the truth of the gospel with your family, with your friends, that you understand possibly, and I believe probably, our time is running out, folks. Our time is running out. If it's not, God is so much more long-suffering than I am or that I ever imagined him to be. And he is so much more gracious and he, uh, than, than I imagine. But also so that we appreciate this period of time in which we live. That we understand this dispensation of the grace of God. That now is the day of salvation. Now is the appointed time. To share the good news that God loves you. Eternal life is offered to all who believe. So as we look at this, we, we look at it with a sense of urgency. Knowing that we could be on the precipice. We could be on the verge of this taking place. And the question, three questions that we ask ourselves this morning as we jump into the scripture. Number one. Uh, the question is not. What is this world coming to? That's not the question. The question is, who is coming to this world? And that is the Lord Jesus Christ. Who is coming to this world? And what does his word tell us is going to happen at that point? We need to be aware. We need to understand things that are about to transpire. Second thing we need to understand as we look into this is, can God lie? And I'll give you the answer. Many of you already shaking your head no. You're right. God cannot lie. That's one thing God can't do. God can't lie. So all the promises He's made to Israel, all the promises concerning Christ the Messiah and His establishing His kingdom on earth, those promises are going to be fulfilled. And part of what we're going to be looking at this morning uh, are centered on those promises and God keeping His Word faithful to His Word. The second 
question as we look at this, and in order to have a clear understanding of what we're up against, what's transpiring, what's coming, is we need to answer the question, is the church spiritual Israel? And the answer to that is no. The church is not spiritual Israel. And so the church is going to, uh, to have its time, its day, and the church is going to be caught up to meet the Lord in the air, and that is called the rapture. And we believe very firmly in the rapture when we're caught up to meet the Lord in the air. And the church is going, it's, the, this, this present dispensation is a mystery. Our exit is a mystery. And, at the, and when, our, when our exit, when the rapture takes place, when that departure for the body of Christ takes place, then the tribulation starts. That tribulation is how many years? Seven-year period. Then the millennial kingdom. We're going to be looking at all the things that take place during that time. So, who's coming to this earth? It is the Lord Jesus Christ. Can God lie? No, He can't. So, all those Old Testament promises and prophecies related to the second coming and all that leads up to that and then all that follows will transpire. And the other part about that is the church is not spiritual Israel, so it has to do with the nation of Israel, God keeping His Word concerning all that He's going to do with, with, it, with that nation. And so when you see all the saber rattling, when you see all of the things going on in the Middle East, you know that clock is ticking, and we're getting closer and closer to that point. Here's a true fact. We are living an exciting, thrilling, and dangerous times. And as we talked about last week, we need to be putting on the armor of God, body of Christ. We need to be putting on, strapping on the armor of God so that we can fight against all the cunning devices of Satan, our enemy. We need to be doing that. These times in which we live right now, I believe, are described by the Apostle Paul in 2 Timothy 3.1. 2 Timothy 3.1 says, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. And then it has a litany of things that are going to be transpiring during those last days. And I think it's the last days of this present dispensation. The last days of this dispensation of grace, that mystery, that special revelation that was given to Paul concerning this time, it's talking about those last days. Remembering Christ coming for the church is not his second coming. Christ coming for the church where we are going to be raptured out because before any nation, before any body marches into war, what's the first thing they do? They, they call their ambassadors. Well, that's exactly what God's going to do with the church. We're his ambassadors. We're his ministers of word of reconciliation. Before the tribulation, before war is declared, God's going to, with, God's going to call his ambassadors, and we're going to be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. 2 Timothy 3.1 says, In the last days perilous times shall come. So it shouldn't surprise us the direction that the world is going. The mindset of the world, the rebelliousness, the lawlessness that is transpiring right now. 1 Timothy 4.1 tells us that in the last days uh, that they're gonna, there's going to be a, department, a departing from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. 
You, there are so many churches you can go in today. There are so many uh, that are preaching false doctrine and, and preaching things that, that are contrary to God's Word when it comes to salvation, when it comes to who Christ is, uh, when it comes to what you, you need to do in order to be saved. We're at that point, and I believe it's when it says, Now the Spirit speaks expressly, then a latter time some shall depart from the faith. It's talking about the churches and what people are going to be hearing from the pulpit as their pastors preach damnable heresy. And I think that's exactly what we're seeing today in so many different congregations and so many churches around the world. So in the last days of this present dispensation, there are going to be perilous times. There's a reason why Paul writing to Titus talks about the rapture as being our blessed hope, being our blessed hope, the coming of the Lord when he catches us away. That is our blessed hope. And with all the perilous times and with all the things that are going on, it's going to be something that we're going to be looking forward to, and I hope you are today anyway. But there are more dangerous times that come after that. And that's what we need to realize, that there are even more dangerous times after the rapture of the church. And it is called the day of the Lord. It's called the tribulation. It's called uh, the time of Jacob's trouble. It's called Daniel's 70th week. It's the tribulation period. It's what the Lord referred to when he says in Matthew uh, that he didn't come to bring peace. That's the Prince of Peace saying that. Christ says, I didn't come to bring peace, but what? A sword. He didn't come to bring peace. He came to bring a sword. What is he referring to? What is he talking about? Well, folks, I've got to tell you, he does bring a sword in perfect, righteous, and especially in Revelation 19, as we're going to see in a second, it, the emphasize, it's what is emphasized over and over again is that as God's judgment falls on wicked, sinful man who has rebelled against him, who have decided to choose a false messiah and follow a false messiah, that God is true in his judgments. He is true in how uh, his wrath comes down that he is, he is right in how he handles that because it's going to be a time such as the world has never, never experienced before. And when Christ says, I didn't come to bring peace but a sword, boy does he. Look at Revelation chapter 19. Revelation chapter 19. Start with verse 15. Well, let's start with verse 11. Tim. Revelation 19, verse 11. And I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True. And in righteousness he doth judge and make war. In righteousness he doth judge and make war. He's right to do what he's doing because of the rebelliousness and the sinfulness that has come upon the earth. And by the way, as we learned uh, during our study in the book of Revelation over the last several Wednesdays, what's the opposite of uh, uh, war, peace? 
What's the opposite of judgment? Grace. To judge. If you're going to judge someone, what are you not showing? Grace. During the book of Revelation, what we find here is judgment and war. During this present dispensation, how does the Apostle Paul start out every one of his books, every one of his epistles? Grace and peace. Grace and peace to you from, the, from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. What a difference here as Christ comes to earth. And his eyes were, as, verse 12, and his eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns, and he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses. And that's why I told our people on Wednesday night, learn to ride. Learn to ride. Clothed in fine linen, white and clean. And out of his mouth goes a sharp sword. I didn't come to bring peace but a sword. And out of his mouth goes a sharp sword that with it he should smite the nations and he shall rule them with a rod of iron and he treads the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of almighty God. Yes, God is gracious, he is loving, he is merciful, but that's not all his characteristics. He is also a jealous God. And at this point, the world has basically embraced the beast, the Antichrist. They are calling him the Messiah. He has already gone into the temple. Three and a half years into the tribulation, he's declared himself God. There is a false prophet that's causing the whole world to worship him. And not only are they worshiping him, they're worshiping Satan, the one who res has resurrected him in order, and placed him in, into this position. And he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. My friends, when the Lord Jesus comes, the sword that's going to come out of his mouth is his words, and his words are going to be powerful, just as powerful as when it, with his words he said, let there be light. And the rest of the creation came about the same type of thing is going to happen here. That sword that comes out of his mouth, those are his words, and it is in victory that Christ is going to come and defeat this enemy. He is the King of kings. He is the Lord of lords. There are going to be those on earth that are going to be worshiping the beast and worshiping the false prophet and worshiping Satan. They're going to be saying, He is the true Messiah. They're going to be embracing that, but when Christ comes, there will be no doubt. As a matter of fact, we know from Scripture that the reason these captains and these kings and this beast, and they've all gathered against Jerusalem, is not so much to conquer Jerusalem, the whole world is going to come against Jerusalem, but to do battle against the Lamb. All of these judgments have been sent from God, for whether they be the trumpet judgments and then the vile judgments are going to be upon the earth. Mankind is going to know that this is God who's sending them. They're going to be looking to the beast to settle this issue, and he's not going to be able to settle it. So what he's going to do, 
according to Revelation, that there are going to be demonic spirits that are going to be urging the captains and the kings and, and all those, that one world confederacy that's going to be playing into this to come against Jerusalem to do battle against the true Lamb. And they're going to be coming in order to do battle, and that battle is going to be probably the shortest battle that's ever been known. They're going to gather against Jerusalem. They're going to come to do battle against the Lamb, basically saying, we're going to settle this once and for all, and that conflict of the ages is going to come to a screeching halt as Jesus Christ roars out of heaven with that sword that causes Satan to be cast into the bottomless pit and the beast and the false prophet to be cast into the lake of fire. And then judgment between the nations where God, where the Lord Jesus establishes his kingdom. There's the, the judgment of the sheep and the goats and those, those nations that, that uh, didn't come against uh, or those people that, that didn't fight against Israel versus those that, that didn't help the Jews during the tribulation time. So those are going to be dangerous, dangerous times. Look at Joel chapter 3. Joel chapter 3. I'll start with verse 9. And remember, this is all prophecy. This is all prophetic. This is going to happen. It hasn't happened. There's never been a time in Israel's history where the Messiah sat and ruled and reigned. There's never been a time in Israel's history where uh, they were gathered from all the countries where God had scattered them. But there's going to come a time when all these scriptures are going to be fulfilled. But Joel chapter 3 verse 9, Proclaim ye this among the Gentiles, prepare war, and wake up the mighty men. Let all men of war draw near, let them come up to the battle of to Armageddon. Verse 10, very interesting. Beat your plowshares into swords, and your pruning hooks into spears. Let the weak say, I am strong. Christ says, I didn't come to bring peace, but a sword. And here, at, this is tribulation material. This is talking about the great and terrible day of the Lord, the day of God's vengeance. And as the armies of the world come against God and His people, they're instructed to beat your plowshares into swords and your pruning hooks into spears. See, that's the right opposite of Micah. And Micah talking about the kingdom that's coming. Look at Micah. Micah 3. Micah chapter 3. Look at verse 3. Well, let's start with verse 2. I'm sorry, Micah 4. Micah 4, verse 2. And many nations shall come and say, Come and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord and to the house of the God of Jacob, and he will teach us his ways because Christ is there. He's sitting on his throne. This is millennial truth. This is when Christ is ruling and reigning on his throne 
from Jerusalem, from the temple, Ezekiel's temple that's going to be rebuilt. And he will teach us of his ways, and we will walk in the paths, for the law shall go forth to Zion, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. And he shall judge among many people, and rebuke strong nations afar off, and they shall beat their swords into plowshares, and their pruning, and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war any more. Isaiah 2.4 says the exact same thing. I think there's a plaque in the United Nations that talks about, you know, that's their, that's their creed, that's their motto. I don't know if it's Micah 3.4 or Isaiah 2, uh, but it doesn't matter. It's not the United Nations that's going to bring that to about. It's the Lord Jesus Christ that's going to. But we have two different issues here. We have the tribulation issue when the Lord tells these nations, you go ahead and beat your plowshares into swords because he knows they're going to come against Jerusalem. But during the kingdom, when he is ruling, he is reigning, it is beat your swords into pruning hooks, into plows. It's the direct opposite. One is prepare for war because you've asked for it, you've got it. And the other is here is Christ Jesus ruling in perfect righteousness and truth during, during the kingdom. And folks... As we march closer to that time, as we get closer to that, that tribulation and the catching away of the church, it is imperative that the pulpits wake up. It's imperative that we understand that the time to sugarcoat, if there ever was a time to sugarcoat, the gospel of Christ Jesus, it is not now. If there was ever a time for the church to wake up and stand up and speak up, it is now concerning what's coming. If we love people the way we say we love people, if, we, if we're concerned about their salvation the way we say we're concerned about their salvation, if we care where they spend eternity, we need to be sharing the gospel now. As a church, we need to quit sugarcoating. God's truth we need to be watchmen on the wall we need to be warning we need to be blowing the trumpets we need to be alerting people to what is coming amen or do we sit back and go boy we just enjoy things things are just going so hunky-dory for us things are just so comfortable things are just so no they're not the world is fast. It's moving at lightning speed toward these type of things that are hap going to happen. And our time to preach the gospel and tell people that Jesus saves, that Christ is the answer, is going to come to a screeching halt. The time for us to preach the gospel of the grace of God is going to come to a screeching halt. During the tribulation, they're going to be preaching the gospel of the kingdom. They're going to be preaching the good news that the kingdom is going to be established. That Christ is going to rule and reign all during that seven-year period. There are going to be, for the first three and a half years, the, the two witnesses are going to be declaring that truth. Just as John the Baptist came preaching the kingdom of heaven is at hand, just as Christ Jesus came preaching the kingdom of heaven is at hand during the tribulation, it's going to go back to that good news that 
that the kingdom is coming. The Messiah is going to rule and reign in perfect righteousness, perfect judgment. That's good news. And we're fast approaching that time. There is coming a time when the Prince of Peace will rule and reign on earth in perfect justice and righteousness. God is not a liar. Look at Isaiah. Isaiah 9. Look at Isaiah 9. For unto us a child... I'm starting with verse 6. There, there you go. Thanks, Tim. For unto us a child is born, and to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Well, is the government on his shoulders now? Let me give you a hint. No. Has the government ever been on his shoulders? Let me give you a hint. No. Look at verse 7. Of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. God's word is clear that Jesus Christ, the Messiah, will rule and reign from Jerusalem. uh, That's coming. That's coming. Look at Zephaniah. Oh, no, Jeremiah. Look at Jeremiah first. Look at Jeremiah 23. Start with verse 3. And I will gather the remnant of my flock over all countries whither I have driven them and will bring them again to their foes, and they shall be fruitful and increase. And I will set up shepherds over them which shall feed them, and they shall fear no more, nor be dismayed, neither shall they be lacking, saith the Lord." Millennial promises, millennial truth. Behold the days come, saith the Lord, that I will raise unto David a righteous branch, and a king shall reign and prosper, and shall execute judgment and justice in the earth. And in his days Judah shall be saved, and Israel shall dwell safely. Has Israel ever dwelled safely? (laughs) Not hardly, folks. And this is the name whereby he shall be called the Lord, our righteousness. Look down to verse 8. But the Lord liveth, which brought up and which led the seed of the house of Israel out of the north country and from all countries, whether I had driven them, and they shall dwell in their own land. There's going to come a time when the Messiah The true Messiah, not the false Messiah, is going to win the victory. He is going to establish his millennial kingdom. He is going to rule and reign. It's not metaphorically. uh, It's not a metaphor. It's not, it is to be taken literally. Christ is going to do those things. Look back at Isaiah real quick. Isaiah Isaiah 2.6. 
Well, let's start with verse 1, Tim. I'm sorry. And the word that Isaiah the son of Amos saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem, and it shall come to pass in the last days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established in the top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills and all nations shall flow unto it. And the judgment of the nations is going to take place. Is this going to happen or did God just not know what he was talking about? Is this just a false promise or is God sincere when he promises this? I take God at his word. Look at verse 3. And many people shall go and say, Come, and let us go to the mountains of the Lord and to the house of God of Jacob, and he will teach us his ways, and we will walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. And he shall judge among the nations and shall rebuke many people, and they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war any more. O house of Jacob, come ye, and let us walk in the light of the Lord. Folks, it's going to happen. God's going to have his way. His plan will be carried out. The time that that when Christ is ruling and reigning and judging the nations. By the way, Christ is going to be judging the nations. In Matthew 19, 28, he told his apostles that they would sit on 12 thrones judging. Yeah, And Jesus said unto them, Verily I say unto you, that you which have followed me in the regeneration, when the Son of Man shall sit in the throne of his glory, is what we just talked about, you also shall sit upon twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. This is going to be taking place during this millennial kingdom, during this reign of Christ on earth in perfect judgment. In, and there are so many promises concerning that. It's a time when the wolf and the lamb are going to feed together. It's going to be a time when the lion eats straw like the ox. It's going to be a time when the, when the uh, child can play next to the adder's hole. Look, look at Isaiah 11, or 65. Let's go to Isaiah 65 first, Tim. Isaiah 65. Now remember, prior to this happening is the tribulation. It's the time when Christ is going to come back. The first, first three and a half years, you have the beast and the false prophet doing their thing. The gospel of the kingdom is being proclaimed, and the, the temple in Jerusalem uh, has been rebuilt. Oh, by the way, did you know, and this is kind of exciting, maybe for the wrong reasons, but it's, it's exciting. Did you know that the Sanhedrin is being reorganized in Israel today? The Sanhedrin is being reorganized. Do you know that the plans to rebuild the temple is underway right now? Did you know that a group of rabbis, led by one in particular, are formulating a crown to present to the Messiah when he comes? There is a reason that thousands of Jews gather at the Wailing Wall every single day and they pray for what? 
the Messiah to come. They are looking for the Messiah to come. That's why they're going to be so easily duped when the false Messiah comes. They are going to sign a covenant agreement with him thinking that, that, that he's the one. Oh, I thought, he, I thought that was a trumpet. Oh, man. I thought that was the trumpet. How disappointing. Wouldn't that be great for me to be preaching and you to be listening when, when that takes place? When the trumpet sounds, we're not going to have time to wonder. What is that? And nobody's going to have a key to shut it off either, let me tell you. But what's happening, what's coming is, is, is the world is preparing. The, the band, the orchestra's tuning up is what's taking place. The characters, the actors are coming onto the stage. We're that close. Now Israel doing what they're doing, it's not because they're looking for the Lord Jesus, the true, the true God of heaven. They want to see a Messiah. You ask them, they'll tell you, no, Jesus is not the Messiah. Matter of fact, today, we talked about this last Wednesday, you cannot preach the gospel in Israel. Do you hear me? Christians can go, and they can visit the Holy Land, and you can spend your money, and they like that, but you can't stand on a corner, and you can't preach the gospel. You're not allowed to. But they're preparing for the Messiah. And this, this false Messiah is going to come along. And they are going to buddy up with him and until he goes into the temple. And he declares himself to be God. And he commits the abomination of desolation. All that is in the future. But anyway, Isaiah 65. That's where I told you to go, right? Start with verse 25. Let's start with verse 19. It's just all good. And I will rejoice in Jerusalem and joy in my people, and the voice of weeping shall no more be heard in her, nor the voice of crying. And there shall no more thence an infant of days, nor an old man that hath not fulfilled his days. For the child should die a hundred years old, but the sinner being a hundred years old shall be accursed. And they shall build houses, inhabit them, and they shall plant vineyards and eat the fruit of them. And they shall not build and another inhabit. They shall not plant and another eat for the days of a tree or the days of my people. And mine elect shall long enjoy the work of their hands. And they shall not labor in vain nor bring forth for trouble. For they are the seed of the blessed of the Lord and their offspring with them. And it shall come to pass that before they call, I will answer. And while they are yet speaking, I will hear. The wolf and the lamb shall feed together. And the lion shall eat straw like the bullock. And the dust shall be the serpent's meat. And they shall not hurt nor destroy. In all my holy mountain, saith the Lord. That's going to happen. That's going to happen. Look at Isaiah 11. Oh, my. Isaiah 11. 
Verse 1, And there shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. And the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, and the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, and the Spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. And shall make him of quick understanding in the fear of the Lord, and he shall not judge after the sight of his eyes, neither reprove after the hearing of his ears. But with righteousness shall he judge the poor, and reprove with iniquity for the meek of the earth. And he shall smite the oppressor. The word earth there literally in the Hebrew is oppressor. With the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips shall he slay the wicked one. And righteousness shall be the girdle of his loins and faithfulness the girdle of his reins when it's when he establishes his kingdom on earth it is coming folks it's coming and the wolf also shall dwell with the lamb and the leopard shall lie down with the kid and the calf and the young lion and the fatling together and a little child shall lead them and the cow and the bear shall feed their young ones shall lie down together and the lion shall eat straw like uh, like the ox and the suckling child shall play on the hole of the asp, and the weaned child shall put his hand in the adder's den, and they shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain, for all the earth shall be full of the knowledge as the waters cover the sea. Folks, these promises are true. What's going to happen is accurate. I got so much more. Just realized my time is running out. Wow. These aren't these aren't metaphors. There's, they're not just spiritual lessons, but it's what God's people can expect during that millennial reign of Christ. And God's promises to Israel will be realized. If they're not, God's a liar. God's not a liar. And all of this is what the Jews have been praying for all along but before this takes place before Christ comes in his righteousness at the second coming and the nations are judged and God's son rules in perfect righteousness there's going to be that great and terrible day of the Lord the tribulation period it's going to be a time such as was not since the beginning of the world nor ever shall be Matthew 24, 21 talks about that. As a matter of fact, Christ quotes Daniel 12, 1 when he quotes that scripture. For then shall be great tribulation such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time nor ever shall be. That's pretty descriptive. And it's coming. And I'm convinced that all the political correctness and the rebelliousness of this world is moving us toward that point. We're finding ourselves in the midst of powers that are trying to formulate a one world religion. We're finding ourselves among globalists and people who hate the sovereignty of nations and they want to see a one world government. We are moving so quickly to that point where a charismatic leader steps forward and takes over that role and Satan gives him that authority because he is the God of this world. Don't forget that. And he has the authority to give him. As a matter of fact, when Christ was in the wilderness and Satan came and tempted him, what was one of the things that he tempted him with? 
I'll give you all these kingdoms. Look, I'll give you all these kingdoms. You know why Satan could offer him all those kingdoms? Because they're his. But there's going to come this false Messiah during the tribulation. He's going to offer that to this guy. Yeah, buddy, I'll take it. He's going to, he's going to do it. And it's going to be a time such as the world has never seen. The key to understanding this is Revelation 1.10 where it talks about the fact that John is taken into this period of time, into the day of the Lord. John wasn't on the Isle of Patmos on a Sunday. That false doctrine, that false assumption somehow got started. But when John says that he was on the Isle of Patmos on the Lord's day, he was taken into the future into the day of the Lord, and he sees all of these things that are taking place. He sees them in the day of the Lord. One scripture. Look at Isaiah 13. I've got a whole bunch that describes the day of the Lord. It describes it as a time of God's wrath. But let's just look at Isaiah 13. Isaiah 13, and then we're going to be closing up. But Isaiah 13, verse 6. It says, Howl, for the day of the Lord is at hand. It shall come as a destruction from the Almighty. Therefore shall all hands be faint, and every man's heart shall melt. And they shall be afraid. Pangs and sorrows shall take hold of them. They shall be in pain as a woman that travails. They shall be amazed one at another. Their faces shall be as flames. Behold, the day of the Lord comes, cruel, both with wrath and fierce anger, to lay the land desolate, and he shall destroy the sinners thereof out of it. For the stars of heaven and the constellations thereof shall not give their light. The sun shall be darkened in its going forth, and the moon shall not cause her light to shine. I will punish the world for their evil and the wicked for their iniquity. And I will cause the arrogancy of the proud to cease. And I will lay low the haughtiness of the terrible. Is that true? Is that true? Is that going to happen? And what are we doing not telling the world that this can be avoided during this day of salvation? Oh, that's just one scripture of so many more that depict the day of the Lord. It's the day of God's vengeance. When God says, vengeance is mine, I will repay. He's talking about that tribulation period. Right now, God's issuing grace. God's issuing mercy. He's offering salvation to all who believe. What a time to be born. What a time to be alive. What a, be, what a time to have opportunity to serve the risen, risen Savior. But there is coming a time. And I am so concerned about family and friends. Yo, we don't want our family and friends to die and go to hell. We, we want them to be in heaven and enjoy eternal life. That's absolutely sure. But there's coming a time when there's going to literally be 
terrible, terrible time on earth. The trumpet judgments in Revelation, you study those trumpet judgments, and it is a miserable time. You study those vile judgments when it says that the wrath of God is poured out in its entirety on the lost, or on wicked man. And we have the answer to share the gospel. Time to sugarcoat the truth we know this teaches. It's come to an end. People say, I just don't believe a loving God is going to do all that. Well, you better believe it. You better believe it. Oh, pastor, how can you say such a thing? You better believe it. Yes, he is a God of love, but he is also a jealous God. He's also a God who understands the rebelliousness of man's heart. But even understanding the rebelliousness, the evilness of man's heart, in grace and mercy, he's offered salvation through Christ. And I praise him for it. Let's pray. Father, we come before you this morning recognizing that your word is truth, recognizing that what you said is coming, is coming. Father, may we not make the mistake of try to t- trying to take it metaphorically, trying to make it a, a whitewashed spiritual lesson, but Father, may we see it for what it is, what the conditions are going to be. Father, I pray that our desire here at this church will be to search the Scriptures daily to see if these things be so. Father, my prayer is that not one person in this congregation will take my word, but they'll get into your word to see if these things be so. That knowing what's coming moves us to share the good news of Jesus Christ while we still have that opportunity. Now, Father, I pray this morning that everyone in this congregation knows you a Savior, that we are all heaven-bound, that we have all been bought with such a marvelous, wonderful price, that we understand that the debt has been paid in full and that heaven is our home. That by faith we have received that gift of eternal life through Christ. Everyone here. But Father, in the event that there's someone here who's never trusted. May this be the moment that they become that new creation. And by faith, believe that you died for them, Christ Lord Jesus. That you were buried for them, Lord Jesus that you rose again for them, Lord Jesus. And that you become their personal Savior. And we pray these things in your name. The name that every knee is going to bow to, every tongue is going to confess to the glory of the Father. Amen.